Hey friends, are you in search of something special to set your portraits apart? If you are, I'm excited to share Willow Canvas with you. Willow Canvas is a mother-owned company that creates beautiful, hand-painted fine art backdrops. Willow Canvas offers a wide range of sizes to fit your space, whether you're traveling or in the studio. Each Willow Canvas is soft and neutral with a texture and tone that will complement your branding. Sarah, the artist behind Willow Canvas, is one of our favorites. She's so sweet and kind and dedicated to delivering personalized customer service with three ordering options, ready to ship, custom, or pre-order based on your chosen hues and textures. All of us at the Motherhood Anthology absolutely love Willow Canvas for its amazing customer service, beautiful colors, and exceptional quality. Discover the magic of Willow Canvas by heading over to their website at willowcanvasbackdrops.com browse their beautiful galleries, and start creating the perfect backdrop for your photography. Find them on Instagram at willow underscore canvas or visit willowcanvasbackdrops.com and join their email list for a 10% discount on your purchase today. I just think like this like other plot that was going on in my head that was my own version of what people were going to think, what they were going to say. And I think I was just afraid of if I told the people around me the size of what is in my head, are they going to be like, you're whack? I I don't know. Like just people where I come from don't go do things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think I was waiting for somebody to tell me that I could. And I realized it only happens if I have the courage inside of me to try. Hey friends, have you ever felt like you had to choose between your family and your career? Or maybe heard that quote, you can have it all, just not at the same time? Me too. If you can identify, I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Tiffany Souter. She's a wife, mom, entrepreneur, CEO, board member, investor, and mentor. 17 years ago, she founded Element 3 Marketing, and ever since, she and her husband have been building their companies and their family on the exact same timeline. That means four kids, three businesses, and two careers, all building towards that one abundant life. While Element 3 has a growing stack of accolades and awards, this isn't the whole story. An amazing team and a hefty dose of hard work, wrong decisions, and scary nights are all a big piece of how she got here. Tiffany has learned it isn't our trophies that are transferable, it's our scars and our stories. Tiffany now shares those lessons learned alongside helping families in dual career homes get the most out of life on her podcast, one of my new favorites, Scared Confident. I'm so excited to share our conversation as we discuss, as Tiffany calls it, a life of and. So now I present to you episode number 63 of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. So we'll just dive right in and get started. I'm so excited to talk to you. I actually heard of you when you were on my friend Shanna Skidmore's podcast, Consider the Wildflowers, and I've been a big fan ever since. Oh, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. And I've listened to your amazing podcast. It's at the top of my favorites and I haven't made it all the way back yet, but I just love all the things you talk about and can really relate. So if you want, let's start by, if you would just tell everybody about you and your background and your business. Yeah, sure. I'm a small town kid. I grew up in the kind of cornfields of Indiana 
And my uh, dad sold out of farming, which is the predominant industry when I was uh, in third grade. So I was about eight years old. So I, my childhood was filled with a lot of risk and my dad starting businesses and I'm the oldest of four. So I lived the lean years of what that looks like. But I think as a result of that environment, and I grew up around a lot of hard work. Uh, My siblings and I had some small businesses that I just got a taste of decision-making and control and just like experimenting and seeing what happens when you're put in a situation where you're trying to figure something out. So I started my career at a really big corporation, but quickly learned I wasn't just built for that. And, um, and at 25 bought a really small advertising agency, really having never taken a marketing class, but having (laughs) too much confidence, I would say in my just ability to figure things out and to know business. And for the last 20 years, have built 18, 19 years, built that agency into one of the largest now in Indiana. And 18 months ago, named a president that is, he's doing an amazing job and he runs the day-to-day of that agency. It's called Element 3. And so I I think in that journey, I've learned I'm the best at the messy beginning. Uh, I joke where there's no rules that I can break and no expectations that people have, so I can always win. And and so I find myself today professionally, I'm still the CEO of the agency, but I'm really, I say I'm like an exponent. The organization is really the formula. My job is just to be an accelerator to the things that they're working on. Uh, I spend about 40, 50% of my time on my podcast called Scared Confident and helping two career families pursue a sustainable life of and. Uh, And then my husband and I have been married for almost 20 years, which is the metric I'm most proud of in my life. And we have four girls from high school, middle school, elementary, and preschool. So there's a like narrow mom I can't relate to. (laughs) They're very spread out. I relate to you in so many ways. Because I think that's why, like, when I heard your story and listening to your podcast, this lady's speaking to me because, like you, firstborn, I'm a country girl. Fun fact that nobody but you might appreciate is that I was the first female state FFA president. No way. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I do know what that means. Yes. Back in the day. And so... My dad worked at a paper mill and he wasn't, it's so fun. Like he, he passed away and he was my hero, but looking back and listening to you talk about your dad and the things that he taught you, like my dad, he didn't have a, he didn't have a flashy sales job, but I think he had a set, like he had that in his heart because the skills I think that have helped me the most in my life are like sales and public speaking. And I even like in his dirty maintenance paper mill job. He was always like trying to help me sell things. Like we would, as a family, we had a fi- like a firewood business and then we would pick blackberries and he would take them and mm-hmm. sell them. And anytime we had a fundraiser at school, he was all about helping me win. So I think learning those lessons of self-confidence and sales and entrepreneurship at a young age has been a, a big deal in my life. So when I hear you talk about the would you sell mulch or dirt? Or- yeah, but mulch, you're exactly right. Yep. It's like a first cousin to blueberries or whatever you sell. Right. <laughs> oh, so excellent. this is probably too much information for a podcast. 
personal information, but I can mm-hmm. remember going to the church Halloween carnival one year. Like I couldn't have been, but 12, 13, it wasn't even my church. This was my friend's church and they had this carnival and they were trying to sell car- caramel corn, I think. And I was like, give me the caramel corn. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'll take care of this. What I hear in your story too is I think my parents both modeled like not an expectation of winning in the sense of we're going to, you know, crush everybody who's here, but stepping into excellence was something that I very much saw in my household. And I, I hear that in your story too, stepping into excellence. And I just love this platform you have of a life of and because I'm a big quote girl. I love all the quotes. I always try to end the podcast with a quote and you hear the quote about you can, you can't have it all, or you can have it all, but just not at the same time. And you're like, no, it's a life of, and I can have this and I can have that. So expand on that for me just a little bit. Like, how did you come to that, that point in your life? Was it always that way? Like I I can do it all. Did you have a a point where you had to sit down and figure this out or? Yeah, I would say, I would say I've always had a heart and a spirit of like curiosity. Let's go see. What if we could, wouldn't it be neat if this just, oh my word. Yeah, let's do it. So I've always had that, I would say courageous spirit. And then you get to life right? Where you've made these important commitments, like being a wife. And I've made these important, like important commitment of being a mom now four times over. And you make this important commitment of having a mortgage and you make these important commitments of a job. And I think for me, I started to look at, okay, if I want to have a big career, does that mean I have to choose a small family? Or can I have a big career and a big family? What does that mean? And I had an amazing mentor who, as I was like growing element three and getting to different inflections point of of complexity, he would encourage me to ask myself the question, but what if you could? And I think I started training my mind of, I wanted a huge career and I wanted a big family and I want the ability to continue to explore like new stuff that's so exciting to my brain and the way that I'm wired. And so asking myself the question, what if I could, what would it mean that I would need to do differently? And so I have just started to say to myself, if I want to add more ands, I have to just very, like, it's very rational, like define what does it take for me to add that and into my life? Like literally how many hours, how many resources, like what does it take? And then what do I need to do to make that true? And it could be as simple as I'm not doing my laundry anymore because I need eight hours a week. And so if I need eight hours a week to add exercise into my life and meal prep, then I'm going to outsource my laundry and I'm going to make these two things happen. So I literally think about it as what's the time exchange that I need to make that true. The and that I could be adding is as simple as being home at three o'clock twice a week. That's an important thing for me when my kids get off the bus to experience the energy of that moment, to be here. So how do I add that and to my life? It doesn't have to be a totally new role, a new professional pursuit. Like it doesn't have to be that. But I think that we oftentimes just stare at something 
and are like, I don't know how to do it. And so we don't force our mind into the solving capacity of if I made it the imperative that I had both of these things, what would I solve differently? What would I need to do differently? How would I create the capacity to do that? And I think I had a big crash in just my life in 2018. I think lessons are often learned from that. And I started to realize that like life is not a, living a life of and is not a perpetual train of yeses. It's getting very explicit about what's going to get your energy and how you're going to fit that together so that it's sustainable. Mm. So again, I'm sure not on the same scale, but I feel like things we have in common. You, I think you say in your podcast introduction, what is it? Three kids, two, let's see. four kids, three businesses, two careers, all building towards one life we love. Yep. Yes. So I have three kids, three businesses and two dogs, four kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. All the things and being like a firstborn, I think you're a firstborn. Like I was born driven. Like totally. it's fun. It's fun for me. I, but I I haven't gotten all the way back to the beginning of your podcast and I expect you to explain this. So I'm just going to ask you today. Yeah. You talk about fear and your podcast is called Scared Confident. And I am, I I like you, I'm confident until I'm not. And so I'm just curious for you, like where, what does that mean? Scared, confident. And you said, I think you said in 2018, you had a moment. What is that about? Yeah, you're right. If you go all the way back to the beginning of my podcast feed, the first season, I went on a fear journey and that was in 2020. So in 2018, my, my business got to a place where it was really struggling. My marriage was really struggling. The things that I'd been building were just falling apart. And so I spent two and a half, three years really externally building those things back up putting some things in my business where we were back on solid ground. My husband and I did a lot of really hard work in our relationship. And I was like, okay, the ground I'm standing on is like solid now. That's helpful. The the boat is not rocking quite the same way, but I was still not okay. I needed to figure out what about me in those situations made him break. Like how did I need to continue to grow and move past? And then we had this surprise fourth baby in 2020. And I was handed her in the hospital. We didn't know what it was going to be, but I just thought for sure we had three girls. This is going to be God's like perfect punctuation to our story. My husband is the only son, the surprise pregnancy that we had. That was this redemption moment for our marriage. Like here we are, it's going to be the chosen one. (laughs) And it was a girl like hilarious. (laughs) And so I'm handed this baby girl and I'm, as you do in the hospital, I feel like it's so tender. I'm just like praying over her and wishing just for her life and kind of rolling through, honey, I I, like, I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel secure. And I found myself praying for her. I I hope you live fearlessly. And in that moment, I remember being like, I don't live fearlessly. There's no way I can impart that on her. If I am not that we can't give people things that we don't first possess. And so that kind of, I think started this awareness for me of, I have been wrestling with pushing through, navigating, just like managing this beast in my head that is fear. And other people would have described me as courageous and she takes risks and she does all this thing. It was like, it was just, I was at war inside of my head all the time. And it was just exhausting. And I decided I'm just done. I'm just done with this. I do not know how to eradicate 
this from my brain and from myself, but I am going to go on a dogged pursuit of it. And so that's what my fear journey is. You can go back and listen to it, but I did three things. One is I did this fear interview, which is crazy. You literally speak in the third person to yourself about what fear says to you. And imagine saying all that out loud. I recorded it. You don't listen to the whole thing, but I think it's like 40 minutes of it. And you start to audibly hear yourself say out loud the thing, the narrative that is inside your mind about who you are, what you can do. And it's, it's shocking to hear it out loud. So I did that. And then I went and stuck my head in the lion's mouth and spoke in like every situation that I was afraid of. So I had a conversation with my husband and I was like, I'm afraid that if you understand what I want to go do with my time, this podcast, the speaking, this thought leadership platform that you are going to tell me no. And I'm afraid if I tell you and you tell me no, I'm going to like be angry at you for the rest of our marriage, for holding me back from the thing I wanted to do. But yeah, I so desperately, I'm like, we'd just gone through this really hard time in our relationship. And I was so grateful to be back and just close to him. I was like, I don't want to rock, rock the boat, but I also just feel like it was just this, like the, the record is just playing so fast. I was afraid what my friends were going to say about me. If I told them, I see this for myself and I see myself speaking and I see myself pushing into this and I see myself stepping into what I think are God-given talents. Like, I'm just afraid you're going to make fun of me. And I was afraid that my business colleagues who own like run businesses that are much bigger than mine are going to be like, there's no way she's credible. She's never run a billion dollar company. Like just all this stuff. I was like, I'm just going to say it out loud. It's either true or it's not. And if it's true, then I want to know it. And if it's not true, then I've got to eradicate it. And I think that journey of confronting these fears gave me so much like a formula of like when fear starts to speak i just say it and i pursue is true or is it a lie and if it's a lie then i'm just going to move on with what i want to do and it just it created like a solving velocity for me that i think others observing me would say she's got so much i don't know like audacity and i'm like I just chew through it a lot faster. I used to wrestle for like weeks in my head or these like talk tracks that just run. And so living scare confident to me, I want to feel truly alive. There's too many people in that once they get to the forties and fifties and sixties where all the major decisions of life have been made and they just exist. I'm not okay with that. You've got firstborn blood running through your veins too. You know what it feels like to be like, I am freaking living right now. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm excited. I'm laughing. I'm having fun. I'm crying. I'm loving. I'm doing the things. That's what I want my life to look like. And then scared. I don't want to be scared, but I live in a full consciousness and understanding of my thing. My thing is fear. Other people have depression. That is a cloud that comes and speaks up. Some people have OCD. Some, like people have a thing. Everybody has got one minus fear. And then living scared confident to me is like in the full context and understanding of my fear my scaredness and turning that, like activating the locus of control is with me and living a confident life. That's what scare confident kind of the words. I think we're constantly living in this tension of different places in our life. That's probably a different podcast, but for me, it's like living in full consciousness, understanding and ownership of fear can have control over me, but I have the tools to be able to turn that into something productive. So did you, conquer that by yourself? Did you have a coach or counseling or 
I, my husband and I went through marriage counseling together. We went to one of those things where you go away for five days. And mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot about myself at that. I then worked with a therapist for a year coming out of that. That was really under the cone of our marriage, but in any relationship, it's a process of understanding yourself better. So I think I, I think going into my fear journey, I had a lot of self-awareness. The fear interview was a guided process by a gentleman who's a therapist. His name is Nathaniel, Nathaniel have, McGuire. Okay. Go ahead. What were you saying? You said your last, how old were you when you had your last baby? I was 40. Okay. So yeah, I had a 40 baby too. So you did. Oh yeah. Did. We're tracking close. <laughs> so you've got three. What ages were you when you had yours? Um, 24 with my daughter. And then I, I don't know my ages. I'll tell you their ages. Yeah. My, I have a 11 year old son. He was my 40 baby. Then I have a 19 year old that just started college this year. And then I have a 27 year old daughter and a grandbaby. Oh my so word. Just, that's so hard to believe, but that's incredible. So, okay. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, so when you, you say scared, confident, and you tell me about that, like, would you consider that? Did you have anxiety? Would you say you had anxiety? Uh, no, it didn't manifest itself that way for me. For me. Just worries. Heavy I worries. Think worries. I just think like this, like other plot that was going on in my head that was my own version of what people were going to think, what they were going to say. And I think I was just afraid of if I told the people around me the size of what is in my head, are they going to be like, you're whack. And I'm like, yeah. I come from a town of 1200 people. I, I don't know, like just people where I come from, don't go do things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think I was waiting for somebody to tell me that I could. And I realized it only happens if I have the courage inside of me to try. And, um, so yeah. Yeah. So I, I've talked about this here before because I have lots of other creative friends that deal with um, anxiety and as well, I think that's a creative kind of thing that kind of goes hand in hand, or maybe it's entrepreneurs. I'm not sure, but I, or maybe just generally people have lots more anxiety these days, but yeah, I don't care what other people think about me, but for me, it's more, I'm going to let someone down or I'm not going to be mm -hmm. able, I'm going to drop the balls and that's going to affect everyone else. And that's my fear. So I'm like, gonna look this guy up that you're <laughs> yeah his name is nathaniel mcguire m-c-g-u-i-r-e and i can give you the link you can put it in show notes if you want to yeah that'd be great he created this fear interview process yeah so do you feel like you conquered it do you not i you i do i and i i i told him at the end i when i was talking to nathaniel because he did a follow-up i don't know maybe three months later and that was my challenge with the podcast i was like i don't want to be the fear girl i don't really feel that anymore. I know exactly how my body responds when I'm starting this cycle inside of my head. Mm -hmm. I know my tool is to export like, Hey, this is the story going through my head. Is that true? Is that how you feel? Is there something I need to hear? And if I go through that process, I can, I can get it out of my body pretty quickly. So I do feel like I'm past it. I feel lucky in that. I know a lot of people struggle with their thing for a long time. It still right. like lives inside of me, but I feel like I have a very small container that it fits in now. Okay. So I don't know if you know a lot about us, but so we're a big group of 
motherhood photographers, but we're all wired like entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. we're trying to do all the things, run a business, but also be moms and take care of all the things that go along with that. And sometimes as photographers, there's not a lot of separation between home and work. And so it's all right there together. So if we could shift a little bit, like I've heard you talk a lot about just practical tips for living this life of and. So where do we start with that? Tell us, um, yeah, you just your best advice for practically managing those things. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So you said there isn't a lot of separation between work and like family and home. It just exp- possibly like- some photographers in their businesses will have a studio and But for a lot of photographers, they're working from home or they have a home studio. And so when I say there's not a lot of separation, just working from home. So, so what I would, and and I, this is relevant because to me, this is about very intentionally creating the environment you're going to be most successful in. So some people love a casserole of activity. I just, I was teaching my kids math this morning and then my client showed up at the door and I send them downstairs and there was some water and we like, just, just, right. it's, I would look at that and say, that's crazy. I couldn't function in that, but some people love that. I think one of the things I do a very good job at is creating very intentional buckets that things fit in. And then my job is to get the thing I need to get done to fit in that bucket. So for example, I'm home right now. I spent the morning at the office. I'm home recording right now but my nanny is going to be here until five o'clock so that I can complete my day. And then I'll go pack snacks and throw the kids in the car. And we've got to be across town for a swim meet for my daughter, but it would not work for me to record this podcast, even though I'm home with my three-year-old wanting my attention and needing me to get her milk and blah, 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 blah. Like I, I feel like I do a good job of creating the space for me to be able to get the thing done that I need done. Cause I know that's the fastest way for me to do it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I know sometimes people will say, oh, I do the vid- I'll, I do the editing during their naps. That's amazing. Except I know if I have enough kids to know nap time is not a predictable segment of time. Right. <laughs> they're sick. They're teething. They woke up. They took one too early, like whatever the thing is. And so my way of solving is to say, I'm going to have somebody come to the house every single day from one to three 30. And that is going to give me the editing time I need to make sure that I'm meeting my client timelines, that I'm not having to do it at night, that it fits inside the school day when the rest of it, whatever the thing is, I set traps for myself that way so that it happens when it happens so that I have control of that. So that the other part of my life, I can more go with what needs to happen. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. So when you, what are some other things like that, that you outsource or that wouldn't, I've heard you talk about nanny, like housekeeping. Yeah. And and not everything has to cost a gajillion dollars. I think that there's, I, I find there's two stereotypes. When I tell people the list of help that I have, I'm like, I joke, like I used to see these things just on Troop Beverly Hills, but in the world, (laughs) but when you look into it, if you think about what you're earning versus what it's costing you, oftentimes it does make sense to outsource it. So my big thing right now is if you are not outsourcing laundry, you are crazy. If you have any earning potential at all, you are not uniquely qualified to fold your underwear and it takes forever to do laundry. 
Most of us only have one washing machine. And so it like can only go so fast. So there's two, two resources that I would encourage people to look into. One is most dry cleaners now do laundry. You can drop it off. It's pretty accessible financially because we're not wearing suits and silk dresses and all the things like we were before COVID. So they're most of them are moving into laundry services as a way to use their equipment and stuff. So that would be one place to look at. And the other service that I use every single week right now is called Poplin, P-O-P-L-I-N. And you literally put your dirty laundry in trash bags outside of your like back door. And it's an app and it is $1 for one pound of laundry. So I sent out three big trash bags this morning, like the kitchen size back trash bags that you use that Costco sells that size. And it will cost me probably 25 to $28 for those three loads of laundry to come back washed and folded in 24 hours or less. I don't know about you, but I make more than 24 hours, $24 in a day. And the amount of hours that it would take me to do that, it comes back clean. It takes us about 15 minutes to get it all put together. And I do that 15 minutes to get it all put away. And I do that twice a week. So as people are looking at year end bonuses or do a bunch of mini sessions to pay for your laundry for a year, like it's crazy town, the amount of time that we open up as a family on nights and weekends, because we do not mess with laundry. Like I'm not uniquely qualified to do that. I know some people have their kids do it. That's amazing. I love you for that. I'm not, I just can't manage my kids that way. Our lives are too like unpredictable and they have a lot of events and the girls are working really hard. I will make sure they know how to do laundry before they go to college. But right now we just set it out in trash bags and it comes back. It's amazing. I've heard you talk also, you, you mentioned the nanny, you mentioned like housekeeping and laundry. I know I have a need for things like that, but I find it really hard to find the right person to outsource to. So do you have any, anything you could say that would help me there? <laughs> like, where do you look for help? Yeah, this is the same. This is the thing. You first have to decide you're going to, right. this is about living a life of and. I am going to make room for this thing I want to do. And the way I'm going to do that is by getting rid of these tasks. So my job is now to, with the full weight of my solving ability, make that happen. So how do you find the people? One is I network my face off. Literally people at church, my hairdresser. If I meet like a, if there's an amazing server at our like dinner table at a restaurant, I'll be like, Hey, we're looking for some help. Like you're amazing at customer service. Would you know of anybody else that might be able to interest in helping us? I network my face off. I do reach out like care.com next door. I don't know if you guys have that, but it's like a neighborhood app. Facebook is an amazing place. Texting all of my friends, my business like owner friends oftentimes have a care like ecosystem as well, who knows mm-hmm. other people that are in that, the in-home service business. So I just like, if you were trying to find a video edit or a photo editor or somebody to help you in your business, you would go mm-hmm. through a sourcing process. And I think about that. I'm in sourcing mode right now. And I'm going to reach out through all these channels, care.com, Nextdoor, Facebook, my network. And I'll usually run a sourcing process for like maybe two weeks. And I'll get a spreadsheet and I'll get their names and I'll get their numbers. And then I will set up a screening phone call with them. That's usually 15 to 20 minutes long. And I run it just like a hiring process as if I was hiring somebody at my agency. 
but I'm committed to a solution because it's too easy to say, oh my word, this is annoying. I guess I'll just keep doing it. That doesn't solve anything. And if you don't hit on the first one, then you go through it again. And you, because you're committed to solving for it. Just like anything, it takes training and it takes clarity. We have a house manager in our house, which like comes in two days a week and just like straightens things and unloads the dishwasher and wipes down cabinets and just does all the picking and putting and making stuff straight that you do if you were home, but I'm not home. As my older girls got into activities, like tonight, I'll be at a swimming pool from 6 to 8 p.m. Most weekends, we're at like a volleyball tournament or a swim meet. I realized like I used to do that stuff nights and weekends. I If I want to go see my girls do these things I and live in a place that feels sane to me, I have to outsource these things. And so I literally taught her, here are the three windows that I want wiped down. <laughs> here is the cleaner I want used on this countertop. Here is the frequency by which I want my fridge cleaned out. Like you literally have to go down and say, okay, what am I doing? Why do I like that? And now I need you to do this. And it takes training. And I think we collapse under, oh my God, this feels so hard and this is tedious. And I guess I'll just do it because it feels easier in the moment, but you never, ever scale yourself. And I've had in-home care now for 15 years. And so I'm pretty good at it because I've done it for 15 years, but you don't get to 15 years of experience without trying and giving them a little grace. They're doing their best. So what do you think when you're interviewing, what are you looking for or what's a red flag for you? I want to know that they have a history of being consistent with a family because change is expensive for me. And just like training another person is really annoying. So I want to know that they're choosing this as a career. It's not like a stopgap between things. I want to know that they're looking for like that they need the money, that this is important to them, that they're paying their car payment with this. Like it's important because they're going to show up when they don't feel perfect when they're not in a good mood, when it's raining out, whatever the thing is, if they need the money, they're going to be much more dependable for you. I want to see that. I want to see that they care about our household and why these things are important. I tell them our home is a canvas for our experiences as a family. It is not me being like some crazy person who needs my towel drawer to work perfect is that this home is a canvas for our lives. And so when it's, when I walk in and it smells good and it feels good, and there's not just like junk and trash and distractions for me, I can experience my kids and I can be present and I can be creative and I can be here for them when that's the environment that I walk into. That's why I have this help. And so, because otherwise I'm wiping down the cabinet, I'm doing the thing. I just can't not, I cannot be in messes. It doesn't work for my brain. And so when they, I want them to understand that's the role they're playing for our family and that they care about that because then I know they're going to work hard to help be a partner with me in what we're doing as a family and not just see myself as a cleaning lady. That's just wiping down your counters. I want them to care about us, not like us particularly, but the role they're playing for our family. You think if you're if budget is an issue, do you hire knowing that it's going to allow you to um, make more money or do you make more money and then hire? How do you, cause I feel like sometimes I'm in that boat. I'm like, man, I could do so much more if I just had a little help, but I need the help to that 
vicious circle. <laughs> I think depending on where you're at financially, I think one way to do it is to pilot it. So, well, one way to do it is, hey, family, I'm going to put in an extra effort for the next two months. I'm going to try to do four more sessions than I normally would. And all of that money is going to go into a bank account to try this experiment for six months or three months, whatever it is for our family to outsource our laundry. So I know it's going to cost us $50 a week. That's going to be $200 a month, two, four, six, eight. I need a thousand bucks that I'm going to go make to put into this fund to experiment. And I'm going to see if with this time I can sustainably increase my sessions by 1.5 more a month or whatever it is. You know what I mean? There's got to be a way that you track the metrics of, are you putting that time either into earning more or are you able to go to bed three nights a week, two hours earlier? Are you able to, are you, whatever, like whatever your metric of success is, you've got to track it because if you don't, that time will just evaporate into stupidity. It's just what happens. (laughs) And so I'm like, I, so that's what I would do. I would take a year end bonus or these mini sessions or whatever it is and put that in an account. Say, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to run this experiment as a family. We're going to spend this on this. And just because you outsourced your laundry once does not mean you're committing to it for 15 years. Try it and see if with that added less stress in the home, with that more time, are you able to incrementally move the metrics that you care about right now? So that's probably how I do it. What's the most challenging part for you of balancing it all, the life of Anne? What do you have to work the hardest? I think the part that is the hardest for me is um, when my kids are from the ages of like four to 10, they like to play mm-hmm. and I'm not good at playing. I'm not good at slowing myself down from make believe hour of dress up. I'm not good at, I'm just not good at that. And I have an eight-year-old right now and I see that she needs me to sit and do a, like a search and find word puzzle with her. She just needs me to sit with her and just be still. And that is very unnatural for me. Um, so I think that is probably the hardest part for me is to find stillness for the people, like in the way that my, my people need me. Um, but I've solved for the things I want. I've solved for my workouts. I've solved for my sleep. I've solved for the like money I want to make. And I don't say that in like a braggy way. I just like literally have said, if I make this an imperative, how will I do it? How will I do it? And it sucks to train somebody on your household. It sucks to be like, you got to get used to other people in your house, but it sucks more for me. to miss stuff for my kids, to not have my workouts in, to feel like I'm constantly behind, to go to bed two hours after my husband, like that stuff sucks more. And I've lived that life and that sucked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if I want to do a lot of things and not just pause my growth and pause my learning, because my husband makes enough money. We could just, I could just make our lives very simple by me saying no to everything, but I would die. I would die. I'm just not built for that. And so if I'm going to make this choice of this just like adventurous life that we have, I owe it to my family and I owe it to myself to do it in a way that is like 
sustainable, intentional, and like actively managed. Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to shift gears for just a second. And sure. because you you have a marketing brain and I would not like to let you go without picking your marketing brain just a little bit. So the world and our inbox and the internet and our phone is so busy. Everybody has something they want us to buy, especially this week. Um, what, it just seems like marketing gets harder and harder. What do you, what's, do you have advice on that? Or do you see, do you, like in the distance, do you see something new coming this way? What's your best marketing advice on that right now? Yeah, I have three quick things that come to mind. One is that your passion, your perspective, and your personality, people cannot steal those things. They cannot steal your passion. They cannot steal your perspective and they cannot steal your personality. Those are unique to you. So, you know, I don't know the world of photography that well, but I know that everybody is good at making everything look beautiful. (laughs) And so as you think about how to differentiate yourself, go back to those three things, your passion, your perspective, and your personality. That is what's differentiated. And as long as you stay true to those things, the like what look is in, what you know, treatment everybody wants, what venue is hot, all of that's going to change. And that's going to probably be trendy. But those three things of your passion, your perspective, and your personality, like really understand what those things are. And I think you'll find you're going to get, pay attention to what those three things are. And I think that's where your differentiation lies. As it relates to what's coming, if you are not experimenting with AI, with chat GPT or one of those language AI tools to help you create content, to help you think about putting emails together for your customers or whatever content that you need to create, chat GPT is an amazing accelerant to the content creation process. And it's just going to speed up the, like the rate of what's getting put on the internet. Use that strategically understand how to use the prompts like AI is coming very fast. And so I think looking at how to use it from a marketing perspective and is definitely a place to look. And I think most of photographers probably are pretty committed to Instagram. I would say choose one social platform and spend all your energy there. Don't try to spread it out across a bunch of different channels. And I'd say, just remember YouTube is the second largest search engine behind Google. There's a lot of eyeballs, a lot of traffic uh, that goes to YouTube. That's good advice. What would you say is the best advice that you were ever given? I love, I think it came from my dad. We talked about dads earlier, but my dad said, hard is not the end. It's just hard. And I think as entrepreneurs, you get to these moments where things are really hard and you're like, if it's this hard, I must be on the wrong path. And as I was going through my journey, and I think as I'm sure as I continue on in life, you'd feel like the the right path must be easy. And that's not true. It's just hard. And so when you get to these moments where it's hard, instead of bailing and saying, oh, I've got to switch, switch what I'm doing, because if I was on the right path, it was easy. It would be easy. I think that to me is a trigger to say, like, how do I harness my solving ability so that I can get through this instead of spending a lot of energy just quitting mentally? So this is my signature question and last question. How do you define success? I define success in that I can say yes. And what I mean by that is that 
I'm not constrained by my resources and my time and what I can say yes to. So if my, like my niece who lives in Arizona just was in a play and I want to be able to say, yes, I can fly our whole family out there to see that for a day. No problem. If there's people in our lives that are facing hardship that I can say, yes, absolutely. We can help you that if there's a not-for-profit that needs an anchor donor to be able to help them with a big capital campaign that I can say yes, that if my kids want to go to a university, that's ridiculous that I can say yes to me, like success is about being able to say yes to the things that you care about, to the forces that you want to put out into the world, to the people that you want to help. That's what success looks like to me. And we're not fully there. And I think that's what drives me is wanting to be able to say yes. Thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate um, your time today and just love your podcast and everything you're doing. So tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you and any resources that you might have. Yes. TiffanySouder.com, S-A-U-D-E-R, TiffanySouder.com. It's the hub for uh, my podcast and you can sign up for my newsletter there. And we've just worked on a resource, a free resource called the Task Planner. And it, it really is just an exercise in helping you get the daily, weekly, monthly, semi-annual, annual things in your home. How do you put those on systems so that you aren't micro-solving for it all the time? So if you go to my website, you'll also find that resource. And I think you'll also put a link in show notes um, for the task planner. It, it was a game changer for me in the way that we run our household so that I wasn't keeping all this stuff in my head and kind of the commando of this is what needs to be done. It's just like it runs and uh, everybody knows how they participate in that so that we as a team are getting everything done in the house. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening in as well. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for a way to go ahead and set up your photography business for success in the new year, I highly recommend taking advantage of our free course, How to Market to Fill Your Calendar. Simply go to themotherhoodanthology.com and click on Learn. There you'll find that free course and several other free courses to enjoy. At the Motherhood Anthology, we believe there's enough success for everyone, so we hope that you take this podcast episode and our free education and head into the new year with renewed passion and big goals. I thought it would only be appropriate to wrap up with a quote from our guest, Tiffany. Hard is not the end. It's just hard. So from Ireland to yours, until next time, friends.